Comic Fam. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Comic Tom. And I am your co-host, Golden Age Guru. That's right. We're here today to talk to you about comic books because we do this every single week. Hit the subscribe button. And if you find any value to this video, it'd be awesome if you hit the like button. We recently accomplished something pretty fun over this past month, and I wanted to make sure that the community here knows about it. And I'm talking about our team up with our good friends over at Variant Comics here on YouTube. I don't know how much time researching and putting this together, but we just put together a pretty darn good breakdown of the golden age. Now, it isn't going to be like so over in depth that you're not going to be able to follow. It's a really solid introduction to the golden age with the great information, great little cuts and bits and just stuff you gotta you gotta watch this video. I'm telling you, if you have any interest in the Golden Age whatsoever, go check it out. That's right. I put the link to the video we provided variant and that was posted on their YouTube channel in the description below. Big shout out and thank you to Eris, to Tim, and the whole variant nation. And we have a packed show today, Jeff. We're chatting about some year-end sales, some shocking art and comic sales. We have an update to the Overstreet for 2020 what's going on i just submitted my article literally yesterday so i'm just going to break that down for you early because these articles that all of us put out as overstreet advisors you won't get to see till july of next year when the guide comes out so i'm just going to give it to you now so you have a fresh start in 2020 to start looking for these books that you should be looking for early that's right. We have two different Overstreet advisors on this show, Jeff, as well as Russ, the comic sensei. So we'll definitely get him in here to dish on what he wrote and submitted to Overstreet so the community can get an advance on what they can expect in the book. Months ahead. Pretty cool stuff. Sensei will have some great information. My article will have some great information. This way, you can hit 2020 and hit the ground running. Absolutely. I want to kick this show off with an investment group. And you're like, why would we talk about investment groups? There is a company named Otis, and they own stuff. And you get to buy a piece of their stuff. Now, the stuff I want to talk about specifically is this company owns a Hulk 181 CDC 9.8 with an evaluation of $35,000 to it. Now, you, as an investor, get to buy a portion of that for $35. So imagine, guys. You don't get to actually physically own this book, but you get to own shares of a book. Yeah, this is an interesting concept. I want to know the community's gut response to what we're saying and what has actually happened because this comic book was available to the public and quickly sold out. We now have individuals in the comic book community who own a share of a Hulk 181 graded at 9.8 that has potential to raise in value. And the idea is that these would be looked at as stocks of a collectible asset that could then change hands. The value can fluctuate. Thus, you owning a piece of this Hulk 181 could make you money if you sell long-term if the asset increases value. So there are officially 1,000 shares of this book out in the ether. And this is just one item that this company has put out. They are all about alternative assets and stuff that Current culture finds a lot of value in. So you'll see paintings. Yeah, explain how this works specifically, because this is one company that is owning and purchasing collections. So Otis has this platform. They have a website. They have a beautiful app. Now, I don't feel like it's fully up and running 
they just started this in July. The app's been running, but as of July, these items started to become available to the market. Hulk 181 at 9.8 was the first that I can tell that was available to the community to invest in. Which is interesting that they chose a comic book to invest in. So they're really going for things that hit a cultural base right now. So there's going to be shoes you can invest in because people love shoes as a collectible. People love artwork. So just imagine that you have this database on your phone of things that you've invested in. So you wanted, let's say, a Picasso or a Warhol painting. You can't buy that outright. You're never going to own that in your house, but you can literally have an entire folder of your investments of painting or other artwork, comic books, records, shoes. You name that collectible and they have it to offer you can be a partial owner. And that's kind of intriguing for a lot of people. That's right. It's brand new, and we're definitely not recommending this right now because this is definitely a conversation. It even says on their website, you know, these are assets, these are high risk. Typically, when you're dealing with like in hand objects that have value, they typically depreciate, right? So be careful where you put your money. But I thought this was a great topic for discussion because this is brand new. Last couple months, this started happening. And I'm trying to think like long term what ramifications this would have because this right here is reserved for those grails, these books that are so unattainable to a collector that they would want to put money into them and be okay with the fact that they probably will never actually have it in hand, but want to use their portfolio and run it as if they actually own the collection. Can you imagine at a convention? where someone's wanting to do a trade across the board or a transaction in general, where I'll give you a couple of my shares of my Batman one that I own in place for an actual comic book you have right now and having that be worth something because on your portfolio, you can sell your stocks of your particular asset. This is intriguing. I, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea, but I also can see that there are definite risks involved. Yeah, you really got to start thinking about how is this going to be regulated and monitored? I mean, who puts the evaluations on these items? Because honestly, the, the grand scheme is to have your investments grow. Right. So how it's going to grow is going to be interesting. How is it going to be traded is also interesting. And can it publicly be traded like at a show con floor to transferred? It's just it's going to be like you said, I like the concept of it. Practicality. Who knows? I'm not looking to jump in early, but I could see this playing out and, you know, being a fun way to say you own a portion of something absolutely amazing. This is brand new, though. If you look on YouTube, there's very little people even talking about this app. Not a whole lot of ratings have come in on it. I don't even think you can sell your assets at this point because it's so fresh. But New York Times covered a piece on it, and I thought that the fact that they came out the gate with a comic book and the fact that they are uh, advertising comic books on their website that this is going to be a place where you can manage a portfolio. It's like, okay, they're in the art game. They're in the comic game. This could be the early adaptation of what future collecting will look like for those who don't have the money to invest in something that has maybe under a print out of a hundred even. You know, I'm thinking like those action ones. People want to own a piece of action one. They may be comfortable putting their money into an action one, but they won't have the amount of money they will need to purchase a low-grade copy. So maybe they can get a 20th or a 30th or a 100th of a percentage of a copy and then actually watch that grow in an investment portfolio much like their 401k would. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you get to invest in something that you like outside of just, you know, 
a passion of yours outside of just some kind of digital stock that you just invest in because you know your your broker told you to do so. Right. Like, let us know what you think. Would you put money into a digital comic investment? I don't know. I'm like, this is brand new to me. So I'm still thinking about it. And there's not like there's any available right now. This is more of a, let's see what happens as this goes on next year. But who knows? A cap one or something equivalent may hit that site. They were aggressive and did a Hulk 181 at 9.8. I bet in order to get more people invested, they're going to have to put something bigger on that app that will get people to pull the trigger and say, you know what? I want a piece of comic history. And I think this has some room to grow in the next couple of years. So heck, I'll give money to essentially a museum to hold my comic, at least my portion. Until you're investing in Otis, <laughs> all right, I need you to invest in Key Collector because I'm telling you, man, this is a smart, inexpensive investment for the year, okay, where you can get the top information that you need daily and have everything organized for you. And we just got a key alert on Superman Red Sun. That's right. A key alert is something that you're going to be receiving from Key Collector. They're sparingly because it's the most pertinent information that collectors need to know for when they're on the hunt or if they're looking to just be up on comic book news and what's going on on the market that same day. It's the fastest way to keep up with the moving market. It's going pretty quick. This past week, this is music to my ears, man. I freaking love this key alert that hit the market. We have the Superman Red Sun animated movie trailer went live today. What did you think about it? I think it's a really interesting story. I mean, I remember reading the trade and it's been probably God, 12 years. I think it came out in like 2003. That's right. So it's been a long time since I've read it, but it's an interesting concept. I mean, in theory, you you have Superman, instead of landing in the United States, lands in the for, former USSR. That's right. So it, just imagine that. I mean, he's your local American hero. But imagine being in the U.S. and he's no longer an American hero, but a Russian hero. Yeah, fighting for communism. Right. So it's just going to be that dichotomy between what you know and then what you're going to be seeing as if it was an Elseworld type concept. Which that's exactly what this is. And a lot of people are super stoked about the Elseworlds concept as it related to the Joker movie, you know, getting a total retelling, something out of left field. That's what this book is, you know, written by Mark Millar, Dave Johnson, beautifully drawn. And there's some painted, this is a painted cover on this one. I freaking love the design of Superman Red Sun. But this book, I cannot recommend enough. It's a short read. We're going to do a giveaway for this book as well today. So if you haven't read it, make sure to comment down below and let us know what you think about this video or if you're reading anything that you would recommend to the community. We love reading those. And this comic, there's a handful of really fun things outside of the fact that, yeah, it's like what if Clark or you know Superman, Cal-El, better way to put it, crash landed 12 hours later you know, at a different part of the world and was raised to be a servant to the USSR to Soviet Russia. And what's fascinating is that this isn't just a propaganda-ridden, like, bizarro Superman tale. No, this is Superman as a hero for another country. So Mark Millar, it's just very tastefully done. And this is kind of like, I want to almost say a more thought-provoking Superman, a Superman that is actually smarter to a degree. This is someone who calculates his actions as he's doing them. He's trying to maximize the result of every piece of impact he has on his society because he feels the weight of the entire country on his shoulders. This is similar to a boy's situation. If you had Homelander, you know, being raised to serve the community, to serve the world, this is not Homelander. I'm not going to, you know, go into any 
uh, spoilers for the boys, but this is a Homelander type of situation where Superman is raised as a hero for the Russians. Thus, he takes that responsibility to like the a new level, a level that even I think Superman as an American wouldn't be able to get to because all this Red Sun Superman knows is his people and serving his people. He was never a farmer. He wasn't someone who was falling in love and practicing his journal skills and his, his article writing, writing for the Daily Planet. No, this is someone since you know he could, he had to start his job serving his country. I like how you surmised that. And I thought it was really interesting in these pages how the U.S. responded by creating their own Superman. So they made a Superman 2, and he doesn't have that S on the chest, but he's got a U.S. on his chest, which is really interesting. And it's also interesting to see um, how Luther is in, this, in the pages here. He still has his red hair because he loses his red hair back in the Golden Age through Superman. Yeah, if there's no Superman in America, he keeps his red hair. So it's like, like an alternate version of not just Superman, multiple characters, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Batman, and yes, Lex Luthor and Lois Lane. This is a great read. Can't recommend it enough. All you have to do is comment down below, hit a like on this video, and you may win a copy. And we also have two winners from last week's giveaway. Daniel Asher, congratulations. You won a New Moon's print, courtesy of Bill Senkevich and Six Foot Publishing. Ooh, that's right. And we also have a winner here. Going out to Ghost Rider. Yeah, we're sending you out Donny Kate's first published work, Ant-Man and the Wasp, issue number two. And yeah, all you have to do is comment down below, which is a perfect segue to viewer comments. All right, so first comment on the list, we have Elephant in the Room, Sahib, and he's saying... In reference to our Dr. Manhattan and his spec sheet about his Manhattan, if you haven't seen the video, click the link. His comment was reviewed by Inspector D. Hmm. As in, and I didn't even think about this, but in that video, we talked a lot about D, didn't we? Yeah, we were going through the spec sheet in great details, but this completely went over my head when it says Inspector D, as we're looking on, like, you know, what this thing is. And it just makes sense what the D stood for. And how we did not comment on that, I have no idea. But what's also funny is that earlier in the show, we were talking about pedigrees. And what was that pedigree about? <laughs> the letter D on the cover. Yeah, that's right. Inspected by that D, a different D. <laughs> Thanks, Elephant in the Room. We do appreciate that comment. We also have a comment from Hood Rat Comics. His question is fantastic. He says, is HBO's Watchmen canon? Ooh, what do you think about that? I feel like we've had this question, and it's a great question because I don't think people truly know because not everyone's reading Watchmen, so they don't know if it's in canon. Should this does this follow the the pages of the comic, or is this just something straight for TV? I feel like after seeing the response from so many people in the community, and seeing that not all of them are like one hundred percent on board with how great of a show this is, I feel like people just don't know their Watchmen. I'm like I've been saying for years, you gotta know your Overstreet. And now I'm saying you got to know your key collector app, you know? Well, now I'm actually saying, where's okay, I got to get Watchmen here. You need to know your Watchmen comic fam because I think this is canon. I will associate this series as Watchmen canon for here on out. I do not know my Watchmen. So you telling me that this has got nothing to do with the comics, okay, is news to me. No, it does have everything to do with the comics. But it's not a comic book. It's it, not based on a comic book. But it is based on the comic book. No, this storyline is not based on any comic out there. That's true, but it's a and rendition and a continuation. So, But it is, though. I feel like it's, it's more... Okay, how about this? It's more of canon than before Watchmen was. He's thinking. Wait, 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 wait. One Say, more where, time. Do you, where do you put before Watchmen on this list? Before? I, I don't know. Because that's a comic form that people don't consider canon. 
Okay, so the published. I think if we can throw out Watchmen written by DC as a like can if we throw that out as canon because it wasn't written by Alan Moore, I think that we can also associate something that isn't comic book as Watchmen canon. Okay, so if this is picked up in comics, let's say they continue from the show. Sure. Then you can consider this canon. This not being in a comic book and just straight to TV, and this is their rendition, I don't consider this to be canon. Am I, are we making sense here, comic fam? I, I don't so. know. I, I, think, I think that I'm going to, when I think of Watchmen, I look at these characters, and I think of them as part of the Watchmen universe more than the Watchmen movie by Zack Snyder. I mean, look, they, I, yeah. All right, well, I get what you're saying from that. That's your opinion on that, I know. All right, but let the, us know in the comment but, section. No, no, comic but the fam. Watchmen movie is based on the Watchmen comic, so but that it, is... That is the their rendition from a comic. Yeah, but it's to me such a loose adaptation that this new show was more accurate on that that gives its credence and, and its validation that it is canon. And now I think on the massive scale, people are going to associate this show with more Watchmen canon than anything else that's come out. But there's nothing to reference this show from. This is them creating some new characters to tie in with some older characters. I love, I love how he just, he just doesn't understand it. You know, you don't want to agree with me at all. I no, love it. Man, I'm going to just uh, agree to disagree on this one. I think because there's a, there's at least 5% of the show that was straight renditions of the past. They picked up stuff from the Minuteman. Yeah. They, they added some things, but there were renditions of the, of Canon of in comic book scenes and enough references to the comic book that they included in this, that to me, it counts. It's like, all right, they're showing you the giant squid. To me, that's all I needed. Giant squid's in there. The rest, for me in my head, it's all canon now. I need more. You need more. I want there to be more too. So you're saying if they make... <laughs> I know, <laughs> I, I, no, I did it. I did it. All right, all right. If, if it hit him before. We started the show, it hit him in the face with the microphone. I just did it here because yeah. I... Talk, you talk about the giant squid, dude. It's awesome. That's my but karma right there. It is my karma. <laughs> but what I do think is that if they make one comic book, which they probably will, that is going to be associated with this new series, because that's what they were really hoping for, is probably to start the franchise again. Are you then saying that this show is retroactively canon? This is TV canon. How about that? But what happens if they make a comic book? Is that the then t- it's full canon. But, but it's never... It's the same thing. No, I think comic publishing... I think, look, t- they're trying to make a good show for TV. Okay. Okay? It's not publishing comics, and so hence... It's not in canon. It's a TV <laughs> rendition of a, of a comic okay, book. Okay, this is... I got to know from the community. You got to help us here because we're not going to agree here. We're going to have to agree to disagree. Like if they made a cartoon about any other superhero and they threw in some stuff just to throw it in, is that considered canon with the comic books? It depends. It just completely depends on the situation. This has never been done before. That's why the question is valid. But it is valid, Hood Rat. <laughs> it is. It's a good question. Um, Sal Felix... This is a, another really fun question. How about a Golden Age Guru exclusive art print in a future mail call? So first off, a lot of people may not know that the Guru is an artist and you were actually trained in school for art and you did some like cartooning. Yeah, I did. Uh, I went to school for commercial illustration and um, then I went down to uh, the Hollywood area uh, around 19, around 2000, 2001 and did a lot of storyboarding down there. Nothing really big. I didn't get in, didn't know anybody. So it's just me trying to work through it. But um, I definitely have a lot of experience uh, drawing, and I love drawing. And um, you know, this has kind of inspired me, man. I really appreciate it, Sal. So what I'll do is I'll put something together. Let's do something for the mail call. So we all know about Kevin Esslinger over at kevinesslinger.com. He is the 
very talented artist. And if you haven't seen the print that's going out in January to every single Mystery Mail Call member, the link is in the description below. Reserve your copy of Donny Cates' In Kyuk Lee variant of Thor number one, the Comic Tom exclusive, by the way. Well, Kevin, he, I don't even know how he did this, man. This thing is amazing. Dude's constantly crushing it, man. I, I love his work, dude. He I does just, such a good job. Jaw dropping every time. He's sending out a null to every single member. And this thing is gorgeous. Well, we don't just feature his print in every single box. We also have a newsletter that, you know, you open the box. It's, it's our communication to you, some updates and tells you some instructions. There's a lot of new members. It welcomes the new members. But on the back, because it's blank, we try to feature an independent artist in the community. We do that every single month. And this month, we're going to feature Sketchbooks, who is an awesome artist right on Instagram. And he's pumping out some really cool covers. And he's hustling. And I like to you know, spread that love. We're going to include him on the back of the newsletter. And everyone's going to get this awesome Miles Morales print in addition to everything else in the box. But I like the idea of featuring you maybe in the next couple months. Gives me some time to figure out what I'm going to put out there for you guys. If you have any comments of what you want to see, which I feel is going to be kind of overwhelming now that I said that. Go ahead and put it down. I want to see you draw Dr. Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) No, but also, while we're on that same note, if you're an artist or if you want to, you know, send some love to maybe one of your favorite artists, hit up the comictom101.com in the contact us section. There's an artist submission page. And we take donations for the art. We cover the cost to get them printed. And we just include it in our mail call, hoping that it brings you or a potential artist, some new followers, some comic book enthusiasts who potentially may like your art. Any way we can help the community, we try to do it. And then last comment that we have to discuss, because this is freaking crazy, man. It's from Opus Garza. I think he just came up with a really good idea. Yeah, I have uh, this odor of smoke in my car. Yeah, and, it, and it's layered with black ice, as we found out. Yeah, <laughs> Layered with the, the tree, black ice tree that's hanging from my I went and got one in the meantime. I'm like, I got to put that in my car now after watching (laughs) that playback. I was so proud of us. I'm like, yo, I mentioned Black Ice and your reaction was so authentic. You're like, as if I snuck out there and knew somehow that he put Black Ice in your car after they stole your car. Yeah, and it's interesting. Jim Mint rolls with Black Ice, by the way, too. Does he really? Yeah, he commented. What is going on? He's like, I got Black Ice because it mentions my black-on-black interior of my SUV. I was like, (laughs) what a pimp. I I love that guy. Steven, shout out. But what does Opus Garza suggest you to do to get rid of this cigarette smoke from the thieves who stole your car and then cleaned it and gave it back after smoking in it? I need to take a shoebox, apparently, of charcoal. Okay, like charcoal briquettes that you buy at a store and leave it in my vehicle because apparently it's going to absorb the smell. And a few people made this comment. So I haven't done it yet, but I will go get some charcoal, and I will absolutely try this because this smell is still there. And uh, I'll let you, I'll keep you updated. I'm also curious, too, because I've never tried this. If this works in your car, I bet it would work for comics. You know, you get like a Tupperware, put the comic that may have some smoke damage, and put charcoal around it, seal it up. Maybe the charcoal will suck that out. If you've ever tried that comic, fam, let us know in the comment section below. It could be a good idea. I've never looked into it. I've also haven't dealt with a whole lot of smoke before. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather my comic smell like mesquite barbecue than <laughs> smoke. <laughs> Sweet baby rays, man. These next comics sold for crazy amounts of money. We're talking about 2019 art and comic sales that were so staggering that we had to put it together in a list of 10 to provide them to you right now. Guru, what's the first on this list? I'm going to start off with the number one selling comic of the year which is a Marvel Comics number one. 
That's right. We had a sale. The highest selling of a Marvel comic book broke record this year, $1.26 million. That's a huge number. And this is a great book because it was also a pedigree. It was a CGC 9-4 Windy City pedigree, which is a pretty prolific collection. This, this person who put it together bought only number one issues. Yeah, that's right. He was a mail carrier and it was one of those things. Like we're all kind of like this in the community a little bit. You see that number one and you're like, should I grab one or two or any? Like you just kind of feel like, hey, it's a number one. That's the one, right? Like if there's going to be a guessing game of what to grab, that's typically the one. Well, that someone was, was doing that in 1940 and it was a mail carrier and he did that with this comic. This guy was the true speculator right here. I tell yeah. Because he started in 1937 oh my gosh. as early, but he didn't get an action one. Yeah, who would have thought, though? Like He right. got the Marvel one, so at least he got one of them. And it's also mentioned that it's known that this comic's only traded a handful of hands over the years. So very scarce, and it's cool that it was preserved over this amount of time. And then the next one on this list is Batman 8.0, issue number one. This is obviously an amazing book already. I mean, you have the first appearance of Joker, first appearance of Catwoman. And this book sold for $498,000. Now, you're well-versed in Batman 1. I know you own one. What are your thoughts about this sale? Almost a half a million for an 8.0. I think that's about where this book is. It's not, I don't think it's undersold. I don't think it's over. I think that's just about right for this number. These are not going to be any particular order of this list. We're just going to be talking about some cool sales here. Ooh, right? Good reminder, yeah. No particular order. These are just the ones that caught our eye. But let's tell them about this Superman number one at 4.5. So the 4.5 sold for $336,000 this year. And that's really high. Right. That's a high number. That book is always going to sell more than Batman 1 right now. And, you know, there's still, like, people debating why, considering that Superman 1 did come out a year earlier, but it, it also only reprints stories. So it doesn't really, you know, you have the first Joker, first Catwoman. Why does it sell for so much more? It just does. Well, it doesn't just sell for so much more, but that 0.5, that change up, what happened? Yeah, I mean, we're going up from 4.5 to 5.0, and we saw over $120,000 difference in price. It was $456,000 for this 5.0. That's crazy. That's insane. Six-figure difference for half a point. I got to see this book. I wasn't able to look at to see if like the eye appeal was drastically different, but I can't imagine it. I mean, 0.5 is so subjective at that point. Man, Like that's just crazy gains in such a short amount of time. We're talking about a difference of three months. I realize it's just a 0.5 difference, but when you're talking about grills like this, there's going to be a fluctuation in some number pricing or percentage-wise. You just don't never know how much more it's going to be just for half a point, let alone you know even a point. Like, Can you imagine? But I want to talk about this next book because we're discussing Superman. So let's talk about Action Comics 1. We did have a sale this year. It was a restored CGC 8.5. Okay, And that even as a restored copy, this book is going to see large numbers. And we saw this one sell for $314,000. Now, seeing an 8.5, something that's almost near mint, go for under half a million for like the most wanted grail in the world. It seems low to me, but you don't think so. I don't think it's low because we got to think about this restored market. Sure. When I look at restored books, I, I'm not a big fan because I just watch technology. I see what they can do with books and how they can restore them to these amazingly high grades. So basically, you could take any portion of a book, completely rebuild it and have yourself some massively high-grade copy. So I don't feel like it's that scarce. You're almost buying this book at its bare-bones minimum and paying to have some work done to it. So you almost have to, to judge it on that. And the books are just not going to reach landmark numbers. I mean, if this was an 8.5, all right, unrestored, I mean, this book is probably a $1.5-plus million dollar book 
I mean, so that's the difference here. I, I, I look at restored and it scares me. I don't ever want to invest in a restored book, especially if it's going to have something like trimming, um, paper cleaned, staples replaced, maybe. Um, but there's just certain things that they do to restored books that you just have to stay away from. When you're dealing with that expensive of comic books, the services, they, they're endless that you can pay for. You can get entire pages redone when you're dealing with a book that's a freaking million dollars. Like, and it'll be worth doing to a degree. So, you know, if you're trying to find the right buyer who wants it completed, even if it is going to be coming back at that purple label, I find it interesting. I also find it interesting that the next one on this list, we're going to have to give you a, another, another like bonus comic here to chat about. We're talking about cap one, but we have two different copies that sold. And I think these are low and I want to hear your thoughts on it. We had a cap one at 9.4 sell for how much? We saw several cap ones sell this year. Okay, this was the highest selling copy. I thought this book was going to break a million. I really did. This 9.4 San Francisco copy, which is a beautiful pedigree, by the way, sold for $915,000. Now, it didn't break a million. And that was what was surprising to me. Seeing a near mint cap one in this market, I feel like it's a million dollar book at least. But then take a look at this one. Cap one at 7.0 sold earlier this year. Now, granted, a couple points lower, but still 7.0. It's a cap one. Jack Kirby, are you kidding me? $228,000. It seems low. When you hear that number and you think about it, it does seem low, but I've seen 7075 and this is where it is. Like I've seen people trying to push it the market with this book, but it seems to be very stagnant right now and stuck. All right, number five on this list, we did have some crazy comic sales, but the original art market saw some records this year. Let's chat about the $5.4 million sale. When you hear a number like that, there's only very few artists that are going to get you that type of dollar. And really, Frank Vazetta is the only one that got, jumps to the top of my head right now. And that's what we're talking about. And that's exactly who we're discussing. His Egyptian queen painting, which is an absolute classic for him, hit that $5.4 million number and like... He's a comic artist, but he's also such a fine artist that he crosses over into that realm of different collectors. That's right. When we see art in the comic market cross over to just like mainstream fine art sales, that's when these numbers start getting just crazy expensive. Here's another one I wanted to throw on here. I sold for a lot less. We're talking 600000 a mere half a million dollars. We're talking about Neil Adams, Batman 251, the classic Joker cover. 600K is not a surprise for this cover. I mean, this is Neil Adams at some of his best classic Joker cover. Did you see it at New York when it was there? They I had did. it on display. It was cool to see it in person, man. I got, I'm glad I got to see it before it gets probably put in a damn museum or someone's PC. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing piece. Congratulations to Seller Ryer. And uh, I didn't get a chance to own it, so I never will. So maybe I can buy a piece of it through Otis one day. <laughs> maybe Otis will acquire it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was number four on the list. Let's chat about number three right now. We have Wiz number one. This is classic. It's super scarce. It's one of those grails for a lot of people. And a 6-0 sold for $150,000. And I think Shazam is one of those golden age heroes that people were really hoping would land with the public. And I think it did this year. Yeah, I mean, we have the first appearance of Captain Marvel with this book, just so you understand the weight of what it is. Yeah, Fawcett, let's do it. Yeah, and 150000 I mean... I don't know if that's a bad price, to be honest. I think that's a pretty pretty low number for what could possibly be the future of this character and the expansion of it. Like a 6-0, that's I haven't seen that book come out in that grade. I, I can't even tell you how many years. 
No kidding. What about this next one on the list? Number two, we have Phantom Lady issue number 17. I was excited to see you include a Matt Baker cover on this list. It went at a 9.4 grade. $121,000. What the hell is going on with this book? Yeah, Baker did the cover art to this, all right? And um, it's a classic cover uh, used in The Seduction of the Innocent. And um, Fox Publications is the one who did this. And I like Fox Publications. I did actually talk about them in my article, by the way. So uh, stay tuned for that because I do feel they have a lot of great books in their lineup. And for this one to go for $121,000 at 9.4, kind of a high number initially my gut wants to say but it's such a classic classic cover and character that i'm not surprised yeah there's like certain collectors out there that are waiting for these high grade good girl covers to hit the market and i'm interested to hear your thoughts more about the romance golden age genre here in a little bit on this show later on but not before we chat about number one the last one on this list again in no particular order we have Sensation Comics, number one, 8.5, selling for a staggering $132,000. What's going on? This is one of her best covers, I have to tell you, especially in the beginning. So this is the one of the earliest appearances of Wonder Woman, all right? And it's sold for $132,000 as an 8.5. It's not her first appearance, but it's a great cover, an amazing book, not surprised the number whatsoever. You know, and I've been told that All-Star Comics eight her first appearance given that it was kind of a layered appearance in the pages not on the cover that that is one that doesn't sell as aggressively it may be worth more but not as aggressive as other appearances is that true i feel that is true i don't see this book selling for the numbers like a whiz one okay or a, a superman one or a batman one it just doesn't approach those numbers whatsoever and it's got to be because of the cover you know, you look at you. You have Captain Marvel on a Wiz one. You have Superman one, uh, Superman on a Superman one. You have Batman on a Batman one. You don't have that cover. It just—it's kind of a testament to the quality and importance of what goes on that first page. Yeah, it absolutely helps the value of a book. Period. We want to know your thoughts, comic fam. Let us know in the comments section below. What was your favorite comic on this list? Did any of these sales surprise you? More or less, you know, I was surprised. It'll enter you to win not just the Red Sun giveaway that we're doing today. We have a Strike Force issue number one variant blade looking so dope on the cover with his sword. It'll enter you to win that as well. And let's chat about something I am very frustrated about, Jeff. I'm really mad. I'm pissed. What's going on with the Flash, dude? I stuck this in our Google Drive to discuss because the instant I saw this online, I got a freaking annoyed. And I tell you why I got annoyed. DCU, DCEU, DC, whatever the hell they're calling it. You don't even care at this point. I don't really care You're at this like, point. You're like, it doesn't even matter. I'm so frustrated <laughs> that I have to wait till 2022, it says, to catch a Flash movie. Yeah, what's going on, dude? They can't do a Superman movie? They can't figure out a Batman movie? Or at least a one that's current and not an Elseworld storyline? And now they can't figure out a Flash movie till 2022? Dude, JLA was like two years ago. They can focus and make another Suicide Squad 2 for some freaking goddamn reason. <laughs> and nobody cares, okay? We can keep talking about Snyder Cuts until we're freaking blue in the face. Birds of Prey is getting a movie before Flash. Birds of Prey is getting a movie before Flash. I mean, like, you, just ha you had Justice League in 2017. You're trying to establish a universe. You took that Aquaman. You took that Wonder Woman. I think they're taking the Flash, okay? Why are we waiting... Till 2022, 
what are we talking about? Five-ish plus years later to see a Flash movie, but we can see all that other garbage first. Like it, it's, it's so ridiculous. I'm like so I can't believe they the how they prioritizing these other garbage movies and characters, <laughs> crazy. and they're not gonna have a Flash movie until 2022. Dude, this Flash. This is a big hero. This is a hero that has a very successful show franchise on television. The viewers will come no matter what. And we're talking like Superman level responsibility here. Just put a Flash movie out. People are going to watch it. I find it surprising that Aquaman is like on pace for two movies before Flash gets one. Like, how does that happen? I have no idea. It's, it's just, it's because they're not prioritizing right. They're not, they're just not doing things correctly. Okay. <laughs> and like, look, 2021. It's a long time, dude. 2022. Really? Can you imagine really? if like, Thanos and like, like imagine like back when we saw Thanos way back when in Avengers and then they're like yeah but we're not going to do anything at all really to feed into this narrative for four years for this character like at least we got a little bit over time right now it's like we're not going to get anything we'd be lucky to get anything I mean I hope maybe 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 there's something in the other movies to build up but if you're telling me it's not coming out to 2022, that means you have put no effort whatsoever. Well, think of to the appearances that these characters have even had as it is. Like they are barely in the movie. Every time they put out a movie featuring characters, it's like, eh, it would be nice if we had more screen time for literally anybody, more more of a character focus, more screen time every single time. Unless they get their own movie, it's never enough. I mean, you have Zack Snyder saying, yo, I was going to put Martian Manhunter in the Snyder Cut. I was going to put it in like the original movie. And people are like, yeah, that would be really cool, but we really don't care because we lost interest in the amount of characters you introduced until you actually use them, utilize the characters in a way that get people excited. They did it for Wonder Woman. They did it for Aquaman. They're still trying to figure out how to do it for Superman. Batman, they just abandoned and started their own franchise joker they're like you know what we give it up we're just going to give him his own movie franchise pretend like the whole batman universe doesn't even exist and now flash yeah we'll put that on deck in two years with cyborg it's just never going to happen yeah you're, you're kind of depressing me even more and i was already pretty down <laughs> so, like, all right let's pick it up let's pick it up it's not we're not done yet comic fam we're going to chat about some subscriber benefits we're going to uplift everybody and tell them some value that they can have as you can tell we're getting towards the end of the season here, and that usually means lots of sales at comic shops. So if you're going to be out there hunting for books, and really just hunting in the beginning of the year because you're going to be ramping up for you know, cons, and you know, you just be out and about, who knows what you're going to come across. Yeah, it gets really slow around this time of year. There's a lot of bins filling up as year-end comes. So you got to kind of think about not only the books that you are aware of and the common keys, but there's those errors that have that you know you, you don't really know about. And I don't really know about many books that have errors. And, and there are a, quite a few, but not all of them have a lot of value. And, but some do. And these are ones that you just have to know. Like you have to know the cover or know how to access the information. And we're going to discuss five valuable error comics that I believe are out there right now for you to hunt. And if you are interested in diving deeper into the Error comics, just the vastness of all that exists. Well, we got to recommend the valuable errors category on Key Collector right on the home page. This is one of the subscriber benefits for having the full 
subscription of the app and you can use code Tom 101 to get a free week subscription. The first one I want to talk about is Return of Wolverine issue number one. This comic book saw its ebbs and flows this past year. We saw highs of above 40 bucks out the gate when this error was uncovered, but now we're seeing about a high of $20, but I still think this comic is out there. What's going on with this book? This is just a little over a year old. It came out in October 2018. All right, this is the variant second printing. That's right. You have to know it's a second print of this book. But how do you know this is an error? Because not all of them had the error. And it wasn't recalled. No, you're going to have to actually open it up because pages two and three and 38 and 39 are actually interiors to a Star Wars book. Yeah, by mistake was included. Now, another one I want to chat about is Witches number four. This is a recalled Canadian variant. This is going to be a shout out to all my homies out in Washington and you know Michigan, different states that border that Canadian border because some of these variants made it out there. But I mention it because while we were chatting last week about witches number one, seeing some spikes in the market after Michael B. Jordan was seen purchasing, or rather his, his crew was seen purchasing comics from comic book stores. Maybe he's interested in optioning this title. But this issue number four had the wrong number on it. It said number three. So if you find an issue four cover that has number three on it, it's likely the Canadian variant that was recalled. This book's seeing some crazy gains. And I bet if you hunt it in long boxes along this border I'm talking about, you may find it. Not only was it limited to 1,000 copies, but it's also fetching a price of 245 bucks right now. Yeah, or more. And I'm excited to see what's going on with witches in this like potential option news that it's been brought to. What do we got at number three on this list? This is Walking Dead 35. This is actually a really rare issue with the error being on the interior. The last two pages are printed twice. And we're seeing values of this book at $450. Since Walking Dead ended this year, I'm thinking people are looking at places to invest in. And it's going to be first, obviously, the key issues. Then you're looking at those scarcer, maybe convention exclusives. But you're also looking for those scarce error copies because of how low print they were. And I think these are ones that are out there. They've been looked for. But you know what? I would be lying to you to tell you that I run across issue 35s and don't look inside I every time. There's a 35 that's presented. I'm looking for the error. You never know. I had no clue about the Walking Dead 35. They've come across my path many times. I am not good at the error market whatsoever of knowing what's there. So I'm really glad they can all be in one location for me. But another book I want to discuss here is Universe X Spidey number one variant. This is done by Alex Ross. Okay, it's a recalled book because Al Milgram put in the pages dissing the Marvel editor-in-chief and calling him something along the lines of like nasty son of a bitch. Yeah, it's something that was snuck in there. And if you don't know to look for it, you got to go to that page with the bookshelf and you can make out that there's something written there. And then they reprinted it and they changed it and kind of blurred it out. But that book sees some staggering numbers when it hits the market, doesn't it? We're seeing highs of this book at around 250 bucks. That's right. You get lucky if that one bookshelf says some text on there and you'll be able to read it clear as day. You'll know this book well. Okay. So last on this list came out literally a year ago this week. We're talking Winter Soldier issue number one. 
if you would remember that last year when this comic book came out, it came out with 12 pages of Venom included inside, like by mistake. So if you open this up, you're going to be able to quickly figure out if this is the error copy. But this book is still selling aggressively for above $50 on the aftermarket. Some of these errors are worth money, but other times they shoot up unexpectedly more than others. That's why you have to be up on all of them. Error comics, you gotta know them. You gotta know the inside of them because the covers themselves are not gonna be the only indicator of whether or not these have the error included. You gotta take the work, open the bag, check it out. And these five comics, they're not the only ones you need to know. You need to go check your Key Collector app, go check out the Valuable Errors section. After you sign up, for the service, and I recommend you use code TOM101 to get a free week to try it out, but also to support the show. Look for that subscriber benefits button. You click that, you put the code in, and then you're going to enhance your collecting, support the show, and you'll have access to this full list of error comics you just got to know. Let's chat about the next section here because we're going to give you a little bit of an advance because the Overstreet Price Guide for 2020 isn't out until next July, but we do have a couple advisors. One of them is right here and you already wrote an essay. Maybe let's back it up and explain what's going on. So Overstreet Advisors are a group of people in the price guide who discuss what happened in the marketplace and what's going to happen in the marketplace. Okay. We apply for this position. Okay. We want to be that voice. So you guys know and give yourselves a direction of where to go. How long have you been doing it for? I'd say this is probably like my seventh year, I guess. And you focus on golden age comics. So that's really what you provide is a little bit of a record for that year. In your opinion, you know, kind of like the year end roundup. How did the golden age genre do? Yeah. So I, like you mentioned, I just submitted my article literally the other day. So it's fresh here. We got it. I'm going to give it to you now so you don't have to wait six months. And hopefully that helps you in your hunt sooner than others. Ooh, let's get into it because you're going to have some examples, some things that they should find and, and keep an eye out for. And if there's some new Golden Age collectors, I'm sure you're going to fill them in on places they can kind of get their feet wet. What was 2019? Sum it up. What's going on in the Golden Age of comics? And hit the like button, comic fam. This is advanced info. You can't find this anywhere. I start off my article with a couple shout outs. All right. And these are books that we actually touched on already, but it was the Marvel Comics number one, all right, that hit 1.26 million first Marvel Golden Age book to break a million, and then Captain America number one that we mentioned, which sold for 915000 That's right. Okay, And I have no problem mentioning these books again because those are two big numbers. I also roll into the conversation of how strong the market was this last year and my expectations for it to be strong again next year. We saw $40 million in sales of CDC graded books alone across all auction houses and eBay. Now, can you imagine how many sales of non-CGC books there were, convention sales of raw books, eBay raw book sales, privately traded books and sold? I mean, I have to guesstimate that there had to be 80 to $90 million worth of sales in Golden Age alone. It's crazy to think that just Golden Age as a genre could potentially be exceeding $100 million in sales annually. Now, the usual suspects for sales for me this year were Captain America Comics, Marvel Mystery Comics, action comics, detective comics, the usual suspects every year. And again, that'll be the same next year. If you want to get in and collecting and want to do it kind of affordably as possible, and this is for the heart of the golden age, 
I do have a subset of it for me and a lot of collectors. We call a section of the golden age from like around 1947-48 to 1955, the atomic age. And we'll get into that shortly. But for the early part of the golden age there, I recommend jumping into Fawcett Comics, Quality Comics, Fox Feature Publications. These are all publishers that put out really good work with a, a wide variety of genres. And you can get into Captain and Marvel books in general. So I'm assuming that Captain Marvel, Shazam, has been uplifted in this community post this movie that landed. Are you seeing that in the golden age era of comics? Absolutely. I had a good year in sales of that book. I see it continuously increase. But he crosses over on so many titles. Captain Marvel Adventures, Captain Marvel Jr. Family. Yeah, Marvel Family. So you can find something of his and really just get in because it's good artwork, good stories. It's affordable. A lot of these were printed in mass and they're available. So the scarcity isn't as aggressive when you're looking at, you know, lower grade copies. You also have like quality publications who put out things such as um, Black Hawk, Modern Comics, Police Comics. They have great artwork in them. You did Fox Feature, like I mentioned, you can have like a the variety of genres there from romance to, to superhero, and they have a great lineup as well. So when you're mentioning Matt Baker and romance, that's going to drag us into that atomic age that I mentioned. That's, that, that's like that, uh, the twin of the golden age that's born maybe two minutes later, all right? He's, uh, he's not like the twin. He's a little edgier. <laughs> he's a little more okay, badass. A little more BA, <laughs> still has that swagger, okay, like the twin, but... Just different. Sure. Okay. And so that's what this brings, a little bit more extreme to it. And this is where we're seeing more risque covers with romance covers. You're seeing violent covers with horror and crime, cool sci-fi covers. And when you would talk about Matt Baker, he was extremely strong in 2018 and beginning 2019. But I saw an, a, a severe plateauing of his, of his sales um, because the spike was so grand. I mean, we were seeing five times guide plus of sales of his books like instantly. So I've seen it relax some, which is great because now you can get in and it went through its spike. And now whatever you're buying it for is what market really is. But I do see it in higher grade. If you can find like authentic police cases or wartime romance, that type of stuff and seven O's plus right now, I still think it's at an affordable price range. Affordable price range as well as a recognizable artist for a lot of these romance covers. I think that has to do with it too, because some of these golden age covers, you know, they're really busy and some people find it hard to even tell them apart. But some of them like Mac like Matt Baker, it is easy to tell apart. I'm assuming like an LB Cole would be on that same list. Yeah, LB Cole, obviously, oh my gosh, if you don't know LB Cole, and we've talked about him many times. You put an LB Cole by another comic, you will see the difference. His color work is so extreme. Yeah, his shapes. I mean, they're unlike any other. Not even extreme. Yeah, right. His color work is so, um, there's so much contrast to it, you know when you're looking at an LB Cole. Absolutely. And so his horror and sci-fi stuff's great. And there was a big uptick on him, but it wasn't so severe that his work still continues to go up in value. Right now, to this year, in 2019, as we discussed this, and I expect it again in 2020. And then back with the romance stuff really quick, because Matt Baker is bringing so much attention to romance, I'm seeing all romance across the board raising in value, including photo covers even. Like high-grade photo covers are going for great numbers. There's so much demand in romance in general. So if you're going to get into romance, just get into romance. Get in cheap. Low-grade is fine. All right? If you just want to get, get going, just do that. Get low-grade Atomic Age stuff. It's all pretty affordable unless it's a key book. 
I appreciate you going over some of the things that people could, you know, enter in on, on the gold section, on the atomic age section. I'm curious, what's your thoughts on horror and crime right now? Crime and horror are fantastic. Okay. I mean, they're steady. I find when I'm in out there that most people are drawn to that, that are collectors. Okay. So it's very strong market for this year and again next year, as I've mentioned. And again, the, the more violent, the more collectible it is. And I just think that we're not going to see a slowdown for this for at least three, four years. I mean, and maybe more. So it's really hard to predict past that. But boy, the way it's going and the amount of people asking me for books like on a daily basis, wow, the same ones. Wow, you think it's still young. You think that it's still on the rise and it's going to maintain that. Especially crime. No kidding. And war. Like I mentioned, the flamethrower war covers. I mean, that's, that's a whole other subset of this collectible. Very good. Well, I appreciate you sharing your opinion about how this last year went as it pertains to this very coveted genre of comic book collecting. I'm just going to throw this out there. One last question for you. And if you have any questions for the guru, please put them in the comment section below. You know, we'd love to read your comments and love to hear your thoughts. I just want to know, like biggest surprises, convention floor, just anything in general that just like made you stop and go, dang, yeah, that's new. Yeah, I would say... Actually, even before I get to that, I want to mention to get into war comics. I just mentioned war, and that has got some great covers. Atlas War Books. I mean, you can't go wrong. You can get those for a super affordable price, great stories, great covers. So that's another great way to get in. But Yeah, dude, my Jack Davis, dude, Two-Fisted Tales, they're affordable, and they're awesome. And some of those actually hold their value quite well. And they're creeping up, but they're still like so, so cheap to play, man. You can get some low-grade copies for under 100 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. And and for the surprise, I would say is that I'm seeing um, more pedigree books. Like they have this new label, which I think is smart for them because I think it's supposed to CGC. help. CGC? Yeah, CGC has these new labels for pedigree books. It's a black label. Okay, and I think they're doing that because there's been a slowdown in, um, I think, the value of these pets. I don't think they're getting with the numbers that they used to. Okay. And maybe because you can't differentiate the label. So I think putting a new label is going to bring more attention to the book and realize, oh, actually, this book is not just a high-grade copy. It's a high-grade copy with a history behind it. So I've seen this year a steep decline in the multiples that pedigrees used to obtain when you, you know, when they had that history to them. But they're so expensive, and a lot of these stories haven't really been publicized as much as I think they would need to be to warrant the amount of inflation that some of these may deserve. That I think we have to do some more reporting going into the new year. Let's watch the pedigree market. I think it's a good idea. I think it's really smart to getting into it earlier than later, uh, especially as this label changes and people start um, migrating their collections and getting the new fancy black tuxedo-like label. What do you think about our new Comic Tom exclusive? We just dropped the news last week. Thor number one, Donnie Cates and Hyuk Lee variant. I'm digging it, man. I mean, I love how it's all white. And then you got the two superheroes in bright color, so it really just pops and stands out. I'm excited, man. A Comic Tom 101 variant of Marvel with a, a number one issue with the Donny Cates behind it. It's pretty dope, man. Link in the bio to join the community. We're sending out one to every single member. While supplies last, we're probably going to be selling out. And we do appreciate every single member of this community. I want to remind you that this conversation is going to continue on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. The camera shut off, but the mics, they keep it going. And we are going to be chatting about some fun stuff. I bet you didn't know that 
Well, I, I bet you would assume that the guru played some sports when he was younger, but I bet you didn't know that I did. I actually used to be a pretty big sports ball fan myself. Yeah, I'm also going to talk about how you jinxed my fantasy football league. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to hear this continuation, go follow us on those audio platforms and where we continue this conversation. Big shout out to Key Collector Comics. Use that code TOM101 to support the show and enhance your collecting. And as always, be merry and geek responsibly. Ooh. Enough said. Comic fam, thank you so much for joining us today. It's the after show. Jeff, how you doing? I am doing wonderful. Dude, we're talking about some fun stuff today on the after show. And I want to thank the comic fam for joining us today because this is one of my favorite parts of the show. Do you know, you why, know why this why is one of my favorite parts of the show, Jeff? Because we're in a hallway doing this? Well, I was. You're not. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, you're screaming in the mic looking like a fool. <laughs> you're acting a fool. You're ludicrous right now. But you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about some sports balls. I used to play sports ball, and I want you to guess, because I've never told you what I used to play. I want you to guess which sports ball that I played. And I was pretty damn good until a certain point. Okay. If I had to just take a look, all right, and judge. You're judging me right I'm now. I'm judging you right now. Had to tell. And it had to be a sports ball of some kind. Sports ball. Okay, there's a ball in it. I've played three different sports in my life. I'm going to guess. those three. Three. Okay, here we go. Here we go. And I'm curious to know the order. I got this. Order that I tried them out, okay? Okay. Because the first one was in third grade, the next one was in seventh grade, and then the last one was in high school. So what do you think? What do you think the three sports balls of choice that I had growing up that my parents made me do? Bocce ball, batman, and tetherball. Okay. All I heard you say was bocce ball. I have no idea what that is. Batman. Batman. What's batman? And tetherball. What's batman? Badminton. Badminton? What is badminton? It's got that birdie. Badminton? At the end. What's a badminton? Badminton. Now I said it so many times, it sounds weird. Oh, badminton? That's what I said. <laughs> You're like, badminton. <laughs> badminton. Badminton. I think I said vitamins. <laughs> Wait, those are those. You're like, I'm talking about sports ball, dude. I'm talking about like collected sports. And you just gave me like one on one recess games. Okay. I'm, just I'm talking like to... actual sports. Like, like your kids just... are going to sign up for sports this year. What are three other than badminton? That you can name and freaking tetherball. Who guesses tetherball? <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out as I'm looking at you. I actually to... have a funny tetherball story I'll, I'll mention here in a second. <sighs> okay, that's because you, you lettered in it. So there was a girl it. named Nicole. Her name was um, Nicole Ozzy, and she went to Lake Stevens out here. Nicole Ozzy, and uh, shout out. I was freaking in love with this girl in fourth grade, dude. I was smitten. I wanted to like talk to her on the phone all the time, and my mom would now would get mad at me because I was always on the phone. We had like you know one line at the house. And she played tetherball. That's what she liked to do. She was really tall in elementary school. I wasn't as tall. But I thought, oh, if I get good at tetherball, she'll you know, be able to hang out with her at recess. Dude, she was so good. And I, it, dude, but I was like, dad, I need a tetherball in the backyard. So we do, we like freaking cemented a tetherball in the backyard so I can practice. It's funny you mentioned tetherball, but no, tetherball was not my choice. Okay. What are the three? Give me the three, Jeff. Come on. Hold on. I'm just trying to think about you winning a girl's heart over a game of tetherball. I was trying, dude. I was doing what I could. And all I could see is this Romance. tall gal who's just hitting it so that it just spikes over your head and just keeps wrapping around That's the right. pole. And like then it goes, deal. bam, 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 hard, dude. I'm like. Damn, this like it's hard. And you're just trying to get that last inch so you don't lose. <laughs> the whole life, dude. <laughs> That's right. Okay, okay, let's get serious here. All right. If I had a guess, it would be baseball. Okay. You think I started out with baseball? Oh, started out with baseball. Starting out. What do you think I started out with? There's three of them. Three of them. And you started out with something. Yes. Basketball, baseball, soccer? Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, those were the three. It started out with soccer. Oh, start with soccer. Okay. Start with soccer, and then it went to basketball, 
Those are really the three. I really guessed them. And then, I, yeah, then I went to baseball. Those are the three that I did. Now, which one do you think I was the best at? The best at? Huh? There's only three options, my man. I know, I know, I know. Okay, I'm going to guess that you were the best at baseball. I was the best at baseball. That's right. I could run in short bursts. And I also could, like, you know, out outlast any pick situations. I would just go back and forth, back and forth, like it was the freaking what is it called? Like in gym where you have to run back and forth. The pacer. When you're running it's the like lines. The lines. Yeah, it's like okay. the pacer, I think is what they call it. It's like running the pacer between the bases. But yeah, up until high school, I was big into baseball and I was so good that when I couldn't make a particular game because I didn't have a ride or something or it was gonna be inconvenient, the coach who was a volunteer, it's like one of the dads in the, you know, in the team. He would go out of his way to pick me up. He's like, oh, we need to get Tom. Like, we have to have Tom for this game. So I felt, like, pretty good about myself up until people started crying because it was, like, so much pressure. Like, I remember being in the dugout booth, and I'm thinking, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and hit the ball. I'm excited. And then one of the kids would, you know, they would strike out, and they come in, and their dad would be there, like, you know, talking to him, giving him encouragement through the fence, and they're crying because it's, like, the most important thing in their life. And I just – I remember thinking – Oh no, I don't, this isn't for me. Like this, I, I do not care. Like this, these kids do. Like this is not my thing. And I just didn't understand. I'm just like, just, there's no reason to care that much about sports ball. And then they started throwing the ball freaking hard, dude. Like I remember being a freshman and I'm thinking, like this is kind of like it went from fun to I'm gonna get like smacked in the head with a freaking baseball. And yeah, that was no go. I stopped doing that quick. Started snowboarding. I like how you, you your reason for not wanting to do is because one of the reasons was because the kids are crying. And yeah, it's dude, so dude. funny that you're like, instead of imagine? the dad yelling at Timmy, you're like in the bullpen. Shut up, Timmy. Quit crying. What, dude? It's a freaking it's just a game. It's just a game, dude. These kids are like, oh, I can't throw the curveball. Oh, dad. And you're like, dude, Timmy, it's going to be okay, dude. Well, that's what happens. Like when you're young, <laughs> like you can be good, athletic, like as a kid. But then it's they get to the point where everyone matures and all of a sudden it comes down to like strength and size and all these other factors change instead of just being like athletically good as a kid. It's like who hit puberty first? Yeah, it's like you your phys- the physiology of the person changes. You know, they're all of a sudden, you know, you have a six foot two freshman who can throw a, a freaking fastball like 78 miles per hour, you know, and you're just like, what the hell, dude? Or, you know, you have a like a six, six, you know, freshman who can dunk the basketball. It's ridiculous. Dude, I play basketball. And it was so bad, dude. I made one hoop the entire season. One hoop. (laughs) You know how many games I had to go to only get one hoop? Like, dude, I went to like 20 games. And I was one of the kids that they would sub out a lot. Like, I was the extra kid. (laughs) And and they're always like, come on, do the thing we taught you in, in the... In the in the freaking practice, you know, like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. Tommy, go to the left, and this guy goes to the right, and then you stand there and pick or whatever, you know, you put your arms <laughs> you up like set this. The picks. I'm, I set the picks, so like I would just stand there really tall, but I wasn't very tall, and just 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 hope that I did the right thing. And there was one time where I like I look up, and I was the only one, like no one was covering me, and the guy who had the ball, he looked at me, and we made eye contact, and he's like, I'm gonna throw it to you, and he freaking hucked the ball at me, and I just like I threw it, and I made it in the in the basket. And I was like, oh, my God, it was the first time it's ever happened. And it was the only time that ever happened. Oh, man. you're So, wait, wait. You shot one time? Oh, I shot more than once. Okay, okay. But I only made it in the hoop one time. And I actually didn't have very many opportunities to do that, too, because I wasn't very good. That's, uh, that's good. But anyways, <laughs> that was pretty much it, dude. That was pretty much my sports history. What about you, man? Like, I want to know what your, 
like what you did when you were younger. Um, did you do badminton? <laughs> I was good at Jim Batman. <laughs> Jim Batman. <laughs> You're good at Jim Batman as well. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so I was kind of a late bloomer in sports. My parents didn't really put me into much of anything. And I was like really extremely overweight as a kid. You were extremely overweight oh, as a kid? Yeah. How overweight? I was really overweight. Oh, you can't just say kind of. Like, I want to know exact numbers, dude. I don't know. I remember being a pretty overweight kid. Um, Until when? Until probably like freshman year in high school. For real? Yeah. How overweight? Like, you had a gut? Oh yeah, I was probably I was probably at fifth grade. I think I was maybe like I was taller kid. I think it was like five nine ten okay. five ten fifth grade or something like that. But I was probably like two hundred and forty pounds probably. No kidding. Yeah, two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah, I was a big kid. I had no idea that you were an overweight I, kid. Man, yeah, I was an overweight kid for a long time. So I didn't really do much athletics. Do you remember your favorite food at the time? I'm curious. Uh, was it borscht? I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> I remember getting a lot is those, uh, those uh, what was it called? Jump, it was a jack-in-a-box croissant, breakfast croissants. <laughs> I had one of those this morning, dude. Okay, but they used to be really big, and they were big. They were like full-size croissants back in the day, okay? This was like in the what, was 80s, man. This was in the 80s, late 80s, okay? So they were big, hearty, freaking awesome. I remember loving them. I remember loving just jack in a box I was down the street. I lived across from a 7-Eleven, so I would get like Slurpees. So yeah, my, my diet was pretty bad. And then I would did you read comics? And you were reading comics at that time too. Yeah, I was reading some comic books for sure. I mean, that's where I bought my first comics were off the rack at a 7-Eleven spinner. So you remember getting your your uh, jack in the box croissant, mm-hmm. and then you would hit your 7-Eleven, get some comic books, and probably fill up your Slurpee? Probably, yeah. There you go. Cherry. Yeah, putting on that those poundage. That's interesting, I did, dude. I didn't I know did. you were above two hundred pounds. In yeah, fifth grade. and I lived in uh, in California in the L.A. area, and so it was just. Oh, uh, so there was a lot of sweating happening. <laughs> it was. Hot. I'm not a big fan of the heat anyway. I'm like a uh, high seventies kind of guy, and I'm happy there. You that's know, funny because like when I was in California, that's when I played soccer, and that's mm-hmm. why I didn't like it. It was too hot, and I remember at the end of the game or practice, they would do this after school, right? At the end of practice, they would do this thing where if you can kick the ball above the goalpost and you can clear it. Like, you know, it was the idea, like, you know, try to get you to practice on how to aim. If you cleared that goalpost, you would get a sodi pop. So I was always after that sodi pop, and I hardly ever got it. But I would be, like, so parched by the end of it. And it's like, oh, what did the, you know, what did my friend's dad bring? Or what did my friend's mom bring to the practice? Oh, she brought Capri Suns, which is basically, sh- like, syrup, and especially after the heat, you know, and they're, like, not cold, and apple slices. And I'm like, dude, I want some sodi pop. So I would put a lot of my emotional energy into the last five minutes of the practice, hoping that I would clear that goal. And it, it only happened like one time. I only got my soda pop one time. Yeah. But would you, what kind of soda did you get? I would want a Coca-Cola. Just a simple Coke, classic Coke? Dude, I was a classic Coke kind of kid. Because my parents, they wouldn't let me have it all the time. So mm-hmm. I would be like, this is basically what I would do. I would try to either win the soda pop or I would save up. And get it like you know, we're going to the grocery store. I'll get a soda pop now and save it. Or the last and final way I would get soda pop is that I would have it like they would get like the two liter bottle, you know, my parents would in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And then I wait till after everyone's sleeping and I go out to the fridge and I would just freaking open that cap, take a swig, close it, got my soda pop. Fill it up with water so it's back to the top. <laughs> Basically, you know, doing what you got to do, man, to get your sugar intake. There you go, man. I'm giving tips and tricks right now. Yeah, you are. All it's those stuff. people listening. You gotta get your study pop, but so like you were doing badminton and you were doing, you know, different 
Like, what sports did you do? So my first real sport I got into was uh, wrestling. You were so, a wrestler? Yeah, I was a wrestler in high school. I wrestled no sophomore year, sophomore, junior, and senior year. Are we talking about real wrestling or WWE? Uh, I just got a picture of you <laughs> in like backyard. in your living room. I used to be a wrestler, and then you flash back, and Jeff's in his room, and he's jumping on his bed in his underwear. <laughs> oh, to get him. <laughs> Dropping the people's elbow. No, that would have been before that. But you wrestled. How long did you wrestle for? Uh, I just wrestled sophomore year, junior, and senior year. The WWE comic book market is really strong, and there's a surprising amount of variants that go for a staggering amount of money. And shout out Boom Studios for putting it out. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I do. But anyway, tell me about your wrestling career. The wrestling was great. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, I really enjoyed it. It was one-on-one, so you're just you and another person in the middle, and you're just kind of whoever can win. We did pretty well. We won uh, Kinko, which was like... We call it your region, dude. You so, won Kinko, so our team won region or won our uh, team regional area. You won the freaking Kinko, yeah. Kinko's our area. That's it's called crazy, Kinko, though. so whatever. Oh, man. King County, yeah. King yeah. County. <laughs> You're like, dude, we won the Kinko. Like, yeah. like we know that. I know, right? Like, you guys don't really know what King County is, but it's a county. We won best in our county senior year as a team. What was your like favorite wrestling moment that you can remember? Uh, winning because if I didn't win in uh, that King County divisional between us and Woodenville. If we if I didn't win, we wouldn't have won as a team. Oh wow! So it was up to you. Yeah, it was up uh, me and well, I was one of the last two to wrestle, so um, I ended up winning and uh, and I think I don't remember if the next guy won or lost. So I can't remember, but it was a big moment because it came down almost to the buzzer and I won and you know, that was a big deal. Dang, so that dude. was yeah, that was it. Well, triumphant moment. Right I know, there. right? You want something funny? I had a very similar moment. But in reverse, there were three people on the bases and I was the last batter up and I struck out and we all lost. And that was a moment where there was a lot of people upset. And if there was a time for me to cry, it would have been that moment. And you want to know what I didn't do? I didn't cry because of baseball because it's freaking baseball. And it's so silly to care that much about a game. I look at it as the reason you didn't win is because you didn't care enough. Is that why that you think you think I like all my training and my practicing at the batting cage and stuff? It was all dependent on me, like having that the stress of of like winning, and I just didn't perform. It wasn't the training; it was the heart. It was the heart. I just wasn't. My you heart wasn't in heart. it. Dude, I cared. I was bummed out. But I also remember thinking at the end of that swing because maybe you're right here. I remember thinking at the end, "Oh, that's it." Oh, dang, that was all on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, darn. Well, shoot. <laughs> Where's even, that sodi? <laughs> Where's that sodi pop? Oh, yeah, uh, so outside of wrestling, I did. I played football. and uh, yeah, My parents wouldn't let me play football. They were yeah. worried that I'd oh, hurt okay. myself, injure myself. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my football team sucked. What, what position sucked. did you play? You played, uh, I was a lineman. I was too big. I was too. I wasn't big enough to be a lineman, but I played lineman. But I was still a big kid, I guess. But like, not like I probably shouldn't have been a lineman. I think because my weight fluctuated so much that I started off as a lineman that I never transitioned somewhere else because I lost a lot of weight through the four years. So um, I just where I ended up. And I just never. Our team sucked. Our coach was terrible. So my football experience wasn't great. I like watching football. I love watching football, but like. My experience with the coach I had and the team, it just it was four years wasted. If I could go back, I would not play football. Dude, we were chatting about how you were getting ready to do your like fantasy football picks, right? And we released the bonus show you know, recently that we did like three months ago on YouTube, and it was reminding you of those picks. What happened? Yeah, so it's odd because this past Sunday, really it would be two Sundays ago by the time you hear this, was my fantasy football playoff. I have to, I'm in two fantasy leagues. This one, 
The first one, um, shoot, I got out in the first round, and that's that's the dealers league with a bunch of comic book dealers. Yeah, but, there's a lot of comic dealers who's into this. Yeah, that's why right. they do fantasy football yeah. side as like their hobby for fun, and there's like bets involved and stuff. Yeah, I mean, sure, right. Some money is involved. Not no money is involved, guys. None. There's no money involved. There's no betting. No illegal betting whatsoever. This is all just for bragging rights. <laughs> wink, wink. Okay, so um, in my other league, which is a longtime friend league I've been in. You have more than one league? Yeah, I'm in two leagues. How do you have enough time to manage two leagues? Is it, it doesn't take that much time to do. <sighs> it takes some effort. I don't know. I've been doing this for almost 20 freaking years, fantasy Man, football. You're a big fan of the fantasy football. A, yeah, I've been doing it a long time. So when we recorded the show, I was just drafting. Okay, mm-hmm. I remember that, and we were kind of joshing, you know, th- give, giving us some crap. We're like, "Oh yeah, draft and stuff." Like we don't know, right? And I think, I think this is week fifteen or sixteen of the NFL now. Yeah, it's been like three three months. Okay, so then you, it's finally aired the post show this past Sunday, and I am in my playoffs, and I'm listening to this video, like, "Oh my god, okay, I can't believe I'm listening to me drafting." And, and you're excited because you're like, "I gotta go do this tonight," because I got a good draft pick, and you were like getting yeah. ready for it. I remember that. I had to miss a draft because we were recording a show. And so um, I, I'm, I'm watching this. I'm listening to this video, and then my team plays that week, and it absolutely poops the bed. The worst, worst week I've ever had in fantasy football, just about. Okay. And just get completely destroyed. And I'm just like, how does this happen? We finally aired the show. I absolutely have a terrible day. My entire fantasy season's over now. That happened this week. That happened this week. That's man. so funny. Like we, like, we put that video, and you're like listening to yourself, and you're like, wow. It's just like. Layers on layers of negativity happening right now is that you failed. I did fail. And you're it's basically a, worthless as a person because your fantasy football. I didn't even have a good showing, man. Yeah, it's just like, you know? what are you going to do? How do you even wake up and like live with yourself? I don't know, but I, I, by the time of the season, it's usually like I'm tired of fantasy football, and then I need about five months of decompression and be like, all right, let's do it again. And it's like the same circular <laughs> thing with fantasy football, man. You, you kind of get tired of it at the end of the year, and you just want to wrap it up. And then you need some decompression, and then you're ready to go again. You know what I really enjoy? I like watching hockey and like lacrosse. I think those are kind of fun activities. I, I do enjoy watching some sports. There's not too many of them. But I appreciate you sharing some of your fantasy football information with the community because I was surprised to find out how many people actually enjoyed sports. There's a lot of dealers that are big into sports stuff. And then I started thinking like, oh, yeah, the sports memorabilia kind of like crosses into this hobby a lot, doesn't it? Then people just have a lot of um, passion for their city. Right, their hometowns. So they'll have passions for their team. So they'll get into the sport. And I joke a lot about it. And so does Ryan. But we're just poking fun, dude. You know, like we're just we're so caught up in comics and everything that when we have a time to to kind of just josh a little bit, we do. Especially because it's interesting that Ryan and I share such common for our lack of sports knowledge whereas you and russ are like a wealth of knowledge like russ knows the hell out of baseball like the dude went to japan last year or rather this year but almost you know it's going on a year now to watch the i think ichiro's final baseball game that he played with the mariners so like he flew to another country to experience that because that's how much it means to him the dude hasn't been to San Diego Comic-Con with me yet. So like to put in perspective here, like baseball has prioritized his time more than the comic game. And he literally lives in the comic book community. So like that tells you how much sports means to members of the show. Yeah. He loves baseball. He loves baseball and knows baseball better than I know any other sport. I mean, he really knows his stuff. 
He's a huge fan. And he used to be a big sports car collector, too, from my... I think that's how he actually got into this whole thing. He started with... It's kind of like the Gary Vee thing. You know, he started with the collectible cards, kind of learned how there's value in these commodities and being part of the community and being up on it. That led him into being comfortable buying comic books and dealing. And then now he's a full-fledged comic dealer, you know? So we'll probably have to get him on the mic. We've been saying that a bunch, you know? He's We're so focused on doing the top 10 that a lot of our attention is spent there. And then when we have the podcast to do, this is kind of like our brainchild with you, me, and Ryan. So um, I'm hoping to get him on the mic as we go on into this next year, and we'll do like a podcast pretty soon. Um, it's kind of becoming a fun thing. I'm enjoying this. Comic fam, thank you so much for joining us on the after show. There's a little bit of comic book talk in here, wasn't there? I think so. Probably enough. Just yeah. enough. I bought some off a of rack once, right? We talked about. Yeah, you mentioned 7-Eleven, right? 7-Eleven. See, yeah. it's all relevant. Right. Dealers that do both things, you know. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to dabble a little bit more into into this like sports arena because there actually is some really cool comic books that blend into sports, you know, and vice versa. We mentioned WWE. I always like WWE. You know, I'm not not hugely into it. Not like Bueller and some of my friends in this community are, but. I mean, I used to watch it as a kid a bunch more than I do now. And I think there's a, if we, once we start dabbling into like the, the more of the sports narratives and stuff, I'm sure I'm going to find some stuff oh, I enjoy. I remember watching the first uh, WrestleMania live, man. Yeah. I remember that one and two. And then that was, wrestling was huge. That's when it was WWF back in the day before right. WWE. And like WCW. You know, WCW awesome was still guys. around. Yeah. That was just a different branch. Right. That was like DC Marvel. You yeah. know, <laughs> absolutely. Like Comic fan, for those of you who are watching on a platform where you can comment, or if you're watching on YouTube because we posted this months later, let us know in the comment section below if you're into any sports. I would sincerely be interested to know because I want to like broaden my things that I enjoy. And I'm like, yeah, maybe there's a sport out there that I would enjoy a bit more than others. You know, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. As always, guys, geek responsibly. Yeah, I'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>